Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two on this Thursday, August 10th. Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Bob Kemp feeling under the weather today, so I'm riding solo here. We'll have an NFC East preview with the New York Giants. Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider set to join us at 11.15. If you missed it from hour number one, we had a Saints conversation with Ross Jackson. You can always podcast that over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Speaking of KDOS1060.com, let's dive right into it here. The poll question, reset the scene for hour two here. No surprise, 2023 New York Giants over under win total is the question. In the number here from FanDuel, seven and a half wins over or under. And right now the masses are in a 50-50 split between over seven and a half and under seven and a half. So maybe Chris joining us at 11.15 on the KDUS hotline can help sway you all one way or another when it comes to the New York Giants. Plus, we'll uh, kind of break down their schedule a bit later on, and we'll answer the question here around 1130 today. Tossing this on over to Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060, the 2023 Saints win total over under 9.5. Right now, under continues to win the battle here at 100% of the vote. As I mentioned, Ross Jackson joined us uh, in our number one podcast at kdos1060.com as well as kdos1060 app. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they held a practice yesterday. It happened to be the last practice before their first preseason game on Friday. Let's get Aaron Decker's report. The Arizona Cardinals held one last practice on Wednesday before they wrapped up this year's training camp. The day started with unfortunate news that running back Marlon Mack was going to miss the rest of the season after an Achilles injury to his left leg that occurred during Tuesday's practice. This is Mack's second Achilles-related injury, having tore his right Achilles in 2020. The Cardinals placed Mack on the injured reserve shortly after practice and signed running back Stevie Scott. As for the practice itself, it was a laid-back routine on Wednesday, but there were some faces that haven't been practicing regularly that were more involved, such as tied in Trey McBride, who's getting some reps during 11 on 11s. And so with this season's training camp coming to a close, here are some players that I personally think stood out this year. Rookie wide receiver Michael Wilson came out the gate stacking consistent performances on the field. He was a consistent target and had few drop passes along with catching multiple touchdown passes. Another receiver who had a solid camp was Greg Dortch, who seems to put together solid camp outings each season. On the defensive side, Isaiah Simmons is learning a new role with the safety position, but as of recently, is seeming to become more involved in the pass defense. On a couple of occasions, Simmons has had opportunities to intercept the ball and break up passes. Cornerback Keytrell Clark and outside linebacker Zaven Collins have also put together positive plays on the field. But that is going to do it for this year's training camp. I hope you enjoyed this season's camp notebook and found it informative. Until next season, I'm Aaron Decker from the Arizona Cardinals training camp. 
Gosh, Aaron mentioned it right there. The worst news yesterday afternoon, Marlon Mack. He was just signed last week looking to make an impact, show off his skill set, make the team. He's suffered several injuries throughout his career, tore his ACL. He's been placed on IR. The team signed Stevie Scott. He played at Indiana from 2018 to 2020. I have no statistical evidence to to back this up, but it does seem like there are a significant amount of injuries that do happen, whether or not they're season-ending or not, uh, where a player who hasn't really been working with the team through off-season programs gets signed, comes and participates in training camp, whether or not it's pushing pushing your body to the limit because you want to make the roster, you want to show the team that you have uh, the skill set, the intangibles, what you need to be a contributing member of the 53-man roster. Whatever the reason is, whether it's just kind of certain kind, uh, not being able to ramp up properly, whatever the physiology is behind it it does seem like there are significant amount of injuries that take place in these types of circumstances and it just it's it stinks there's no other way around it uh and it certainly stinks for marlon mack here who was uh trying to give himself an opportunity to get you know back into the nfl after having suffered so many injuries over the last couple of years Obviously, now for the Cardinals, they're going to turn their attention to figuring out who is going to be backing up James Conner. We've seen, and Aaron has pointed out numerous times throughout this training camp period, that Keontae Ingram has been sidelined. So what's his health status like? What's his capability of of being a true backup? You have Corey Clement still on the roster as well. So plenty of different things here for the Cardinals to sort out backing up James Conner, who I think James Conner, incredibly explosive, incredibly uh, gifted, and I think kind of uh, really showcasing that he's more than just a running back. He has great hands. Uh, We've seen that, you know, in in practicality in game day. We've seen it in training camps before. Uh, And for him, it's about staying healthy as well. So there's a lot yet to be decided when it comes down to the running back position for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I would have to venture to say that James Conner has extreme importance to this roster. There's no reason for him to play on Friday, but we'll have to see what ends up happening as the Cardinals do host the Denver Broncos on Friday, 7 p.m. on Channel 12. Continuing on with some of the other things that Aaron mentioned that caught my attention, uh, Michael Wilson. He pointed out that he stood out above and beyond in this training camp, and and I've said it before, and I'll certainly say it again, that if Michael Wilson can stay healthy, this could be an incredible draft pick for the future of the Arizona Cardinals. People obviously passed on him because of his injury history, because of maybe some of those unknowns, uh, the quote-unquote injury-prone narrative, uh, and he kind of fell a little bit here. The Arizona Cardinals swooped him up. They took a gamble, but this gamble, if it pays off, could be a really important one, not only for his size, his hands, route running, etc. Obviously, this has all just been training camp. There hasn't been tackling. So there's still a lot to see from Michael Wilson in the growth. But the start is certainly there, certainly positive. 
Jonathan Gannon, he met the media yesterday before practice got underway. A couple of things that stood out to me in regards to what he said when asked about Friday and what we can expect to see. He was asked specifically, will Colt McCoy be playing? Will he see snaps on Friday? All Gannon had to say was, yeah. In addition to that, Gannon went on to say that his philosophy on starters playing and snaps that they get is all individually based. Uh, So I was a little surprised to hear him say, yeah, about Colt McCoy. I don't know that Colt McCoy really needs to uh, be suited up in preseason number one here, but we'll have to see what that all entails and what all that actually means for Jonathan Gannon and his coaching staff. Uh, Gannon went on to explain why he went to Isaiah Simmons and asked him where he's most comfortable playing. And I thought his answer was very nuanced and very well thought out. Uh, Part of his quote here is, if a guy is unsure or not comfortable where he is playing, he is not going to hit his ceiling. Now, that also goes into how that impacts the team because we have to do what's right by the team first. I think that's the coach's main job is to set your guys up for success. So we've seen this narrative of Isaiah Simmons, the expectations, the athletic talent. I do think that it was a disservice and there's nothing that you can do about when he was drafted in 2020 and how there wasn't the offseason programs that happened and maybe the expectations for him to just really be uh, able to slide in anywhere, play all these different positions. And he really didn't master one position. He didn't really have a handle on everything that he was supposed to be doing at the speed of the NFL level. So being in this spot of free safety, we'll see how this all kind of unfolds for Isaiah Simmons. we, We have to factor in here as well that there are major decisions left ahead for Isaiah Simmons and for this coaching staff. They did not pick up his fifth year option. Uh, so, This could just be a trial. This could be a, hey, he's great in this position for another team. This could be a, hey, he's great at this position for us and for our future. So there's a lot of dynamics here at play for both player and for both team because this team, this coaching staff didn't draft him. So now trying to figure out how he fits into what they want to do, how they want to build this team, because we've talked about it numerous times, how they've really stripped things down and are starting not over, but starting at a, at a different level to, to rebuild this roster up. And they've certainly done that with some draft pieces and uh, moving forward into the future here. In addition to that, uh, their first round draft pick, Paris Johnson Jr., Gannon was asked about him. He says that he really likes what he's doing at right tackle. Uh, in, in addition to that, continued on to say that he can move around. But Gannon seemed to really suggest that Paris Johnson Jr. is settling in right now at right tackle. Um, the expectations for Jonathan Gannon when it comes to Friday in preseason game number one, a couple of things stood out to me in what he said. Uh, that one, he wants everyone to compete on Friday. I think that that's 
kind of a narrative that every single head coach says in a preseason game. And I think certainly there's guys that are trying to make roster spots. There's certainly guys that are trying to uh, just make it to the, the regular season to go all out. So everyone's kind of in different situations, different scenarios. But the thing that really stood out to me was, does everyone understand their role on game day and how their role fits into winning games? Everybody has to execute. You expect certain things to happen Friday night, and he expects it from his himself as well. Uh, so certainly having that concept, having that understanding of what your role is, how your role plays into the big picture of winning games, and how if you don't execute your role or your role you think you can change your role without you know, getting approval leads to losing games is interesting here. So really just building that fundamental foundational aspect of the mindset and then it transfers into the type of player and the what the expectations are and then how you can maximize the talent once you get on the field it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds coming up here on Friday as I mentioned it's a Friday 7 p.m. kickoff you can watch the coverage on channel 12 we continue though with our NFC East previews Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider is going to join us on the KDUS hotline. The Giants, they rewarded Daniel Jones with a contract in the offseason. They franchise tag Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley decided he wanted to play football, signed an agreement in the offseason. There's some incentives that have been added. So what are kind of the expectations for the New York Giants. We get that conversation with Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider on the other side of the break. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude, Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our NFC East previews as we pop on out to the KDOS hotline, we're joined by Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider. Chris, appreciate the time on the show today. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing fantastic. Looking forward to trying to better understand this New York Giants team here. Uh, I've been starting a lot of our questions with the quarterback position, but I think for this Giants team, it's important to set the, the stage and the tone with Saquon Barkley. Of course, the contract situation, they worked out an agreement that essentially pays him what the franchise tag would with $900,000 in incentives that is in part tied to team success. So explain to us what happened with Barkley, the Giants negotiations, Barkley ultimately getting back on the field and does everything seem fine in camp yeah look everything's fine i mean uh, saquon is not gonna look he's is he happy about the contract that he eventually signed on the franchise tag 
No, he's not. I mean, you know, he's not going to be happy about it. He wanted more. But this is Saquon Barkley, and he is all football. And when he decided to sign that tag, he wasn't going to give any kind of less than 100% effort. That's Saquon. So, yeah, look, he looks good on the field. He's busting it. Um, you wouldn't even know that he had these contract issues um, because that's Saquon Barkley. He's all team. And why he decided to sign this tag is because he had a change of heart. He was thinking about it. You know, he was thinking about holding out. He was thinking about maybe holding out part of the season. But he changed his mind. He talked to a lot of former Giants, his family. He went with his heart. He decided to sign the tag. Um, he feels that this team could do some special things. He wanted to be a part of it. And here we are. Saquon has obviously been a huge chunk of the offense and the production for this New York Giants club for a long time. So uh, do we expect much more of the same from him, or how might his role change, if at all, this season? Well, no, I mean, look, will his touches be as much as last year? Probably not, because they have some more weapons. I mean, when you have a guy like Darren Waller, you know, he's going to get a lot of targets. You know, the Giants are going to throw the ball a little bit more. You, you have guys like Paris Campbell. You know, you have the draft pick in Jalen Hyatt. And now is Saquon going to be a big part of the offense? Of course, you know. Um, but is he going to get as 24, 22 touches a game this year? Maybe not because it's, uh, they're going to spread it around a little bit more. They're going to throw it a little bit more. And when you have a guy like Darren Waller, um, you know, he's going to be a big part of the offense too, man, because he's going to be the number one target receiver. I know he's a tight end, but, you know, he's going to be the number one target guy for Daniel this season. Well, let's go right into Darren Waller here. It was kind of a bit of a surprise move in the offseason, bringing in tight end Darren Waller. He has had some injuries over the last couple of seasons for himself, but what are the expectations now? A 6'6 tight end being able to stretch the field, and I would have to imagine a huge target for red zone production. Yeah, the expectations are very high here. I mean, Daniel hasn't had a target like this since he's been here on the Giants. And you could see what they're doing in camp that, I mean, Darren's going to be a big part of this offense. He's going to be lined up all over the field. He's going to be a big, big red zone target for them. And you know what? He is 6'6", and he's a legit 6'6". <laughs> you know, standing next to Darren, you know, even Daniel said it. You know, a lot of times guys are listed at 6'6", but they're 6'5", 6'4". No, Darren's a legit 6'6". He's an athletic freak. He's going to be a big part of this offense, and um, you see it already. Look, you saw it in the joint practice against the Lions. I've been watching it all summer at training camp. Um, you know, this is just going to be a guy that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are going to be up late at night like mad scientists moving him around and getting him involved. Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Okay, we've saved it long enough. Daniel Jones, he had his best statistical season with the Giants under Brian Dable last year. 67.2% completion rate, only five interceptions. He then was rewarded with a four-year, $104 million guaranteed contract. Uh, What are the expectations for Jones this season? Can he take another leap this year? And does he have to take that leap for this Giants team to have success? Yeah, look, he's got to take it to another level. Um, he played well, like you said, last year, 15 touchdowns. Uh, isn't exactly a very good number in today's football. They expect that to be 20-plus. Of course, the five interceptions was a very good number, especially since Daniels had turnover issues in the past. But, look, the feeling here is that, you know, in year two of this system, Daniels is going to be a much better quarterback. And I see it already. I see the confidence level. I see what he's doing. You can see his reads. Um, he's a big-time problem solver, a quick 
problem solver now is something he had some issues with last season, but now it seems to be a lot more natural. And that's what happens when you're in the same system, something Daniel really hasn't had into the last few years. So, um, yeah, look, the feeling among everybody here is that Daniel's going to have a really good season. Um, and, look, here's the bottom line, okay? Brian, it, this isn't – Daniel Jones is not Joe, Shane's and, Joe Shane and Brian Dable's guy. They didn't draft him. And they still gave him a four-year, $140 million deal. That just tells you right there what they think of him. They think he's a franchise guy. And we'll see this year, but uh, that's the feeling that he's going to have a big, I should say, a big next step year for the Giants. Jones, he was sacked 44 times last year. The Giants, though, made a commitment to the offensive line by signing Andrew Thomas to a five-year, $117.5 million extension. So, Andrew Thomas protecting Jones's blind side, is that enough? What about the rest of the offensive line to pass block and then open up some holes for the running game? Yeah, look, Evan Neal in his second year, the, the number one pick last season, um, he's going to have to take it to another level. He's, he was just okay last year. He gave up, a, you know, he gave up like six, uh, seven, eight sacks, a lot of pressures. Um, he understands that he has to take it to the next level. He's going to be a big part of this offensive line. You can't, you know, even though we all know Andrew's a pretty solid left tackle, one of the best in the game right now, but you can't have Evan Neal giving up tons of pressures and sacks on the other side. So that's going to be the key. You know, Evan Neal's got to take it to the next level. Um, he uh, trimmed down a little bit, added a little more muscle, uh, worked with uh, guys in the offseason to improve his footwork. Um, so that's going to be big. Uh, Evan Neal has to be play like a number one pick this season. Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Let's flip this on over to the defensive side of the ball. Dexter Lawrence, he was unbelievable last year. 68 total tackles, seven and a half sacks. How much was Wink Martindale and the change in the defense uh, kind of putting Lawrence in positions to put it all together? Or how much of it was just Lawrence kind of figuring it out? Well, I tell you what, you know, Wink gets credit, but the guy who deserves the most credit is defensive line coach Andre Patterson. From the first day Andre saw Coach Patterson saw Dex, he decided, you know what, we're going to put you on the zero. We're going to put you over the center. Um, and that's where you're going to excel. And he worked on some technique issues, and Dexter took it to another level. Um, because he was a pretty good player for the Giants in the first three years. But last year, as you all know, he's, he was pro Bowl level. And uh, he gets rewarded with the big contract. So, you know what, Dex found a home basically over that center playing at zero. Um, he excelled at technique that Coach Patterson taught him, especially extending those arms, got him that push on the inside. And as you know, today's interior defensive linemen, they're getting paid big, big money, <laughs> guys that can push that pocket uh, from the inside. You know, so um, congrats to Dex. He was a really good player last year. And uh, the expectations in to take it to another, even get even better this season. Flipping this on to the outside, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, is he ready to break out? Do the Giants need yeah. him to be a major disruptor for this Giants defense to succeed? Yeah, well, of course, you know, that's the expectations. You, you want to see Kayvon getting those double-digit sacks. But you know what? A lot is going to depend on Aziz Ojolari on the other side, if he could stay healthy, because Aziz is, Look, you see the games Aziz has played. He's had a lot of sacks, and he's actually the best pure pass rusher on this team. So, yeah, Thibodeau 
is expected to take it. You know, what he wind up last year, four and a half, I think, whatever it was, sacks. You like to see him getting into double digits. He's been working on his game, worked his whole offseason. He realizes now what he has to do for 50-plus snaps in a game. But Aziz on the other side, that's the key. Aziz has to stay healthy because he hasn't been really the last few years, especially last year. Because if Aziz and Tibbs off, the, off those edges, now you got to count for both of them. And that's a big, big difference. You know, last year, Thibodeau was out there by himself a lot while Aziz was on the sidelines. You know, so that's going to be the key. Um, Thibodeau is a kid that you see kind of developing even more in year two. Uh, he wants to be great. He's one of those type guys, and um, I think he's going to have, have a real good second season. We all know that Wink Martindale's defense oftentimes put the secondary uh, on an island, forces them to cover. Yeah. So how how is this Giants <laughs> secondary? Have they done enough in the offseason and are enough guys back and healthy now to be able to uh, orchestrate what Wink wants? No, that's going to be to be determined because they're going to start a number one pick and Deontay Banks on one side, and you got the veteran Adoree, but the sixth-round draft pick, Trey Hawkins, he's been the big surprise at camp. He's been so good for them that he's been with the ones a lot now, and they moved Adoree Jackson to the slot. That's how well Trey Hawkins has played, the rookie sixth-round pick from Old Dominion. So, look, no matter what, Wink is going to be Wink, okay? He's going to leave guys on an island. He's going to send six guys at times. And he's going to say, okay, you guys cover on the outside. That's the way it is. You know, that's, that's what Wink is. We all know that. Um, so, so as far as it, is it going to work out, well, we'll start finding out in September because it's a pretty young secondary right now, uh, except for Dory, the veteran. Uh, but you might see, and you see the way they're thinking, because the way Trey Hawkins has been playing, he's been forcing himself into the one, playing with the ones. Um, so you might see two rookies on the outside and the veteran on the inside, which is going to be, as you know, Wink Bondale, it's going to be a very, very, it's going to be very, very interesting. Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. So for this New York Giants team, boy, what a tough way to start the season. You're uh, you're you're hosting here, then you get a, uh, the Cowboys, then you get a bit of a reprieve in week two against the Cardinals, then week three at the 49ers, week four versus the Seahawks, week five at the Dolphins, if you believe in them, and week six at the Bills. So what happens here if the Giants start off slow with the schedule that kind of doesn't really let up often. Yeah, <laughs> what happens is going to be Panic City here. <laughs> That's what happens. And like you said, it, you know, look, on paper, look, in this league, you know, teams change all the time. But right now, like you just said, on paper, uh, that's a tough thought, man. Especially if you lose that first game at home against Dallas. You know, and I know you said they get a little bit of a reprieve and I guess that. But you know what? This is the end. I, I, I hate to even look at it like that. This is the NFL. Uh, this is any given Sunday. You know, I understand on paper, maybe no Kyle Murray and all that week two, but you know what? I see look at it like that. Um, so this, this first game, to me, this first game against Dallas is big because if you do lose that at home, like you said, you know, all right, you get Arizona, we'll see what happens there. But then you got the 49ers four days later, Miami, Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> it's a tough start, man. It's a tough start. You don't want to get in that whole own one against the Cowboys, a division opponent, right off the bat. Because, like, with this schedule right now, you could find yourself, your season spiraling out of control right out of the gate before Thanksgiving. Uh, excuse me, before Halloween. So, uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. 
You know, you've been talking a lot about some of the reliance on young players. There's some veterans as well. They're on that defensive side of the ball uh, offensively here, kind of taking those next steps, that next stride. Also, though, when you factor in how difficult this schedule is, we know what the Eagles' expectations are. We know what the Cowboys' expectations are. There are obviously some question marks for them uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But when it comes to kind of looking at this Giants roster, factoring in age experience and expectations, Expectations, how difficult on paper this schedule might be. You know, do you feel like third in the division is honestly realistic, or can they push for two or first in the NFC East? Yeah, well, look, I'm not going to go first with the Eagles. I, 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 I feel the Eagles are still the best team in the division um, by a lot. Um, now, can they push the Cowboys at two? Yeah, I, I feel they could push the Cowboys. I feel the the Cowboys' offensive line is going to take a step back this year, especially if this Zach Martin situation doesn't get resolved. Um, so I feel like to push them, um, no question. It's one of those deals where, hey, look, if you, if you don't play well at the beginning of the season, next thing you know, you're, you're in third place, maybe even fourth. You know, we'll see how Washington develops with their, with their quarterback, you know. So, no, I'm not going to go first. I'm really not. I think the Eagles are still the class of the division by far. Um, but I do feel – they could push the Cowboys for that two-hole in the NFC East um, right now. You know, right now. I'm not – I know the Cowboys are very talented still, but, it's, you know, they have some things going on over there. Unhappiness with some play – with a play like Zach Maughan. You know, now McCarthy's calling the plays. Who the hell knows how that's going to work out. They got shot on his offensive coordinator. He's been throwing out at three teams, two teams. He hasn't really worked out in a lot of places. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, seven and a half wins over or under here for the New York Giants this season. Yeah, that's the over under. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go over right now. I'm gonna go another nine win season. Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. One more question before we let you go. Is there anything else that we should be paying attention to heading into preseason week one, as well as the start of the season for the New York Giants, whether it is health or a player that we haven't discussed? Um, No, right now, health-wise, they're fortunate. Um, but the, you know what? The wide receiver competition, that's something – that for Giant fans or even the rest of the league, that's, that's a pretty deep position right now. Um, there's a lot of guys who can do different things. Um, and watch out if you want to say, okay, Chris, who you want to watch out for? Well, I'll tell you what. Keep an eye on this rookie, Jalen Hyatt, a third-round pick, because he is playing really well in camp. He's a guy that can top off the top. Uh, he can get off the top of the defense any play. He's going to have to be accounted for when he's on the field. He's that fast. He was actually tracked at 24.1 miles an hour. <laughs> in this camp, which is actually like Tyreek Hill type speed. Now, I'm not saying he's faster than Tyreek. I'm just telling you what the numbers say. Okay, so there's one guy to keep an eye on right there. Yeah, the third round pick, Jalen Hyde. I think this kid is going to do a lot of good things for this offense. Chris, really appreciate you taking some time on the program today, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you uh, maybe around week uh, two when the Cardinals face off against the Giants. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Talk soon. Once Enjoy again, the rest of the day. Absolutely. Thank you. You as well. Chris Bizignano there from Giants Insider. We were talking a little bit there about the schedule. And as I mentioned, week one versus the Cowboys, two at the Cardinals, week three at the 49ers, week four versus the Seahawks, week five at the Dolphins, week six at the Bills. That is a brutal start to the year. 
You also have one, two, three, four of the six on the road as well. We'll get into more about the Giants and the win-loss total, some of the player props on the other side of the break as we answer today's KDOS1060.com poll question in addition to our Twitter poll question, which is about the New Orleans Saints. And if you missed the conversation with Ross Jackson, Saints News, you can always podcast that over at KDOS1060.com. We dive into the poll questions next. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. 11.42 here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Thursday, August 10th. Bob Kemp feeling under the weather today. Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Thanks to Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider talking all things New York Giants with us. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Speaking of the New York Giants, it's time to get into today's poll questions. You guessed it. We're going in the win-loss totals, KDOS1060.com comms poll question the 2023 new york giants over seven and a half wins or under seven and a half wins so i was alluding to it here the first six weeks for the new york giants is an absolute brutal start uh as i mentioned week one versus the cowboys two at the cardinals three at the 49ers Four versus the seahawks five at the dolphins and six at the bills then week seven can't sleep on the Commanders here. That's a home game against the Commanders. Week 8, rivalry game with the Jets. Week 9 at the Raiders. 10 at the Cowboys. 11 at the Commanders. 12 versus the Patriots. Their bye comes in week 13. Then they conclude the back half of the season there. Week 14 versus the Packers. 15 at the Saints. And then 16 at the Eagles. 17 versus the Rams in week 8. 18 versus the Eagles. So I think the couple of things that stand out to me there is for the Eagles uh, being their two games in their last three weeks of the season. Are the Eagles going to be needing to play for something or will they be resting that are players? Uh, certainly that changes dynamics as you get to the end of the season. Obviously, it's a it's a divisional opponent, so you never want to lose to a divisional opponent. Does it change how things uh, unfold in the landscape of the NFC? There's always so much there at the end of the season when it comes to this division and when it comes to the NFC. Um, the other question marks I have, I've, I've talked to about the weeks the the start of the schedule weeks one through six just being absolutely brutal so if you don't get off to a hot start get off to a sluggish start how do you rebound how do you feel about yourself as a team moving forward the question marks I have here I think Saquon Barkley is so important to this New York Giants team. Uh, and I know that you go went out and you got Darren Waller, so you got yourself a really big target for Jan- Daniel Jones to find and how, uh, you know, it was really apparent that the Giants needed some playmakers other than Saquon Barkley on the field last season. They went and they got that with Darren Waller. He can be a big red zone target as well. But 
Saquon has to stay healthy in order for this whole thing to work because I'm still just not 100% sold and trusting Daniel Jones. I know that he made leaps and bounds of a huge step with Brian Dable last year and being able to have that consistency factor. It's the same offense, the same voice with Mike Kafka as well as the offensive coordinator. There's a lot of positives with that continuity, but who is Daniel Jones and is he capable of being that franchise quarterback that you paid him to be? There's a lot of question marks here with how difficult this schedule is. I can't trust uh, this particular schedule, this particular New York Giants team here. I would say under seven and a half wins is where I lean. Uh, the masses have now decided as well. They are on the underside at 54% of the vote over trailing at 46%. That is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Just to uh, make reference here, the NFC East odds, the Eagles minus 115, the Cowboys plus 175, the Giants plus 700, and the Commanders at 13 to 1. Also, the expectations for Daniel Jones, the over-under is sitting here at 3,200 and a half yards, minus 112 for reference. 3,205 yards is what he threw for last year. 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. Saquon Barkley over under 1,000 and a half yards for him, minus 112. 16 games, 295 carries, 1,312 yards, 10 touchdowns. As Chris mentioned in our interview, uh, Probably not going to have as many carries for Saquon. 295 is a little bit unsustainable, I would think. And for Darren Waller in his first season with the Giants, over-under is set at 625.5 yards minus 112. Let's flip this now over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. And it's the Saints. The 2023 Saints win total over-under sitting at 9.5 wins. Ross Jackson with Saints News joined us. If you missed that conversation from hour one of the Extra Point, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Let's briefly look here at the Saints schedule. Week one versus the Titans. Uh, you know, what do you think of the Titans, right? That's a big question mark here. Week two at the Panthers, rookie quarterback Bryce Young. Week three at the Packers, Jordan Love. So you potentially have two young, inexperienced quarterbacks here in your first uh, three weeks. And then week four, if it's not Baker Mayfield, you have the Buccaneers. If it is Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, potentially another young quarterback in that spot. Week five at the Patriots, week six at the Texans, week seven versus the Jaguars, week eight at the Colts. Week 9 versus the Bears, week 10 at the Vikings, their bye comes in week 11. So uh, leading up until the bye week here, there's not anything that really stands out saying on paper that this is overly uh, scary. Week 12 at the Falcons, week 13 versus the Lions, week 14 versus the Panthers, week 15 versus the Giants, and then you conclude the three-game stretch, week 16 at the Rams, week 17 at the Bucks, and week 18 versus the Falcons here. Um, I don't like that I have to get 10 wins with this Saints team because they need health to stay on their side. I think we saw what happened when healthy players went down last year. I'm also a bit struggling to to trust Dennis Allen and struggling to trust Derek Carr. Uh, certainly, they have a more talented roster in this NFC South division, but if... Uh, 
Bryce Young figures it out, if Desmond Ritter figures it out, there's other pieces around those players on this NFC roster that could make things challenging here for the New Orleans Saints. Um, I could easily see them getting to 10 wins. I could also see it being at eight, nine wins here. It just kind of depends on some of those little nuanced things that Dennis Allen needs to have learned from last year to this year. And and if Derek Carr's not going to throw in a key interception, if he's going to be a positive difference maker here for the, for the Saints, I just don't trust it. I don't want to bet over nine and a half wins. I would stay away from this entirely. Uh, the masses, though, they remain firm in their conviction on under nine and a half wins at a hundred percent of the vote uh that is on twitter at kdus am 1060 i will say this what caught my attention when we were talking with ross he really likes chris olave and feels like year two he's going to be able to blossom if michael thomas can stay healthy takes away some of the coverage on him if Derek Carr can continue to put the ball on him better than uh Andy Dalton did better than Jameis Winston did maybe you're looking at Chris Olave props 1,025 and a half yards minus 112 over under Derek Carr's numbers 3,625 and a half yards minus 112. You know Derek Cardo, he does like to sling the ball around uh, for those prop numbers. We wrap this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Also, we have to talk about the Phoenix Suns and two players that are going in the ring of honor. How cool is this? How awesome were the memories when you saw this news take place yesterday afternoon we'll dive into that next right here on kdos am 1060 sb nation radio is now sports map radio keeping sports content fresh and fun join us right here on kdos am 1060 Thursday, August 10th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp feeling under the weather today. Kayla Mortolaro with you here for a few more minutes as we wrap up this edition of Extra Point. But as it is thank you time, we absolutely have to thank uh, Corey Aaron and our guests today, Chris Bizignano from Giants Insider, as well as Ross Jackson from Saints News, part of the SI family of networks. If you missed any of their interviews, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Uh, So this news came down yesterday afternoon and uh, I got excited. Uh, the Suns plan to induct Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion into the Ring of Honor. 
during this upcoming 2023-2024 season. Uh, in addition to that, their uniform numbers will also be officially retired. So Marion, number 31, Stoudemire, number 32. Joining Alvin Adams with his number 33 retired, Charles Barkley, 34, Tom Chambers, 24, Walter Davis, 6, Connie Hawkins, 42, Kevin Johnson, 7, Dan Marley, 9, Steve Nash, 13, Dick Van Arsdell, 5, and Paul Westfall at 44. But just uh, some stats here. Sean Marion, nine seasons with the Suns, 1999 to 2008. He averaged 18.4 points per game, 48.1% from the floor, 10 rebounds, 1.9 steals, and 1.4 blocks. The Matrix did it all. Amari Stoudemire, eight seasons with the Suns, 2000. And two to 2010, 21.4 points per game, 54.4% shooting, 8.9 rebounds, and 1.4 blocks. Uh, I don't know about you, but gosh, I certainly miss Nash to Stoudemire. And I went back yesterday, watched some YouTube highlights of the two of them in action. And what a thing of beauty that is. Uh, goodness gracious. I just kind of got absorbed into too many highlights yesterday, watching Nash and Stoudemire at work. And then in, when it comes to Sean Marion, I mean, he just knew where to be and when to be there, and he was so good on defense. I think his offensive skill set was also underrated, and just that whole team, the the seven seconds or less, uh, the playoff hopes, the energy, uh, the fun basketball, it it is absolutely a deserving honor for these two to be going into the ring of honor, and it just brought up a lot of, like, good feelings about the Phoenix Suns and, uh, you know, that entire era of basketball and how much fun it was to watch them on the court so really cool that they're going into the ring of honor at some point in this 2023 2024 season uh so We'll see how all of that uh, unfolds for for them and, and when that all takes place, but really looking forward to that when it happens. Uh, some just little tidbits here. Rachel Nichols is joining Undisputed on FS1. We knew earlier in the week that Richard Sherman is going to be joining as well, battling up against Skip Bayless, mainly in the NFL season, but it looks like there might be a rotating cast of people uh, debating Skip, who has been on hiatus since Shannon and Sharp left uh, the program undisputed earlier this year. In addition to that, uh, the NBA countdown is going to be hosted by Malika Andrews. She is set to replace Mike Greenberg. That'll do it for this Thursday, August 10th edition of Extra Point. Hopefully, Bob Kemp is feeling better tomorrow. If not, we'll certainly have the extra point. We'll dive into more about the NFC South. We have uh, to wrap things up with the Panthers, and hopefully we can also have a Cowboys discussion tomorrow as well. That'll do it for Extra Point. Have yourselves a fantastic Thursday and talk to you on uh, Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. That's tomorrow. (laughs) 